get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, welcome to the show, TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. You miss any of the shows or want to go back and listen to other ones, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, the TSN1050.ca show page, or on, on Twitter. We post all the links right there. Great show for you today. We're mixing up the order a little bit. Scott Cullen from TSN.ca is batting leadoff in just a couple moments. Travis Yost will polish off the program. Tyler Dello, how about that? NHL columnist from The Athletic, formerly of the Edmonton Oilers, and some NHL fantasy talk with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. So loaded show. Let's begin it with Scott Cullen. Scotty, welcome. How's it going? Good. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm good. A little earlier in the day for you for the... Uh, for the show, Travis has been bumped around, so we appreciate you coming on early. Well, yeah, you know, I, I've been stretching uh, so I can uh, set the table, maybe maybe, uh, maybe steal a few bases here in the leadoff spot. Right. Uh, I'm, changing, I'm changing up my game. That's right. I love it. I love it. Okay. Hey, Sky, let's start off with... It's time for the best, best. and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes and zeros with Scott Cohen and Andy McNamara. Yes, it sure is. Okay, first hero, David Perron. That's right. Um, well, he has 12 points during an eight-game point streak. Uh, he's up to 46 points in 45 games this year, matching his uh, point total in 82 games last season. Uh, I think when the, the Golden Knights uh, picked up Perron, they expected that um, you know he's a, he's a pending uh, unrestricted free agent, so I think they figured, well, they'd have him for um, you know two-thirds of a season and trade him before the deadline. Uh, and, and get something for him. But given uh, Perron's success this season and the team's success this season, I, I think it's less likely that he's going to get traded now. Um, he, he actually has a pretty decent shot at uh, surpassing his career high of 57 points. Uh, now, the funny thing is is that uh, typically Perron is a, is a really strong possession player, and this is only the second time in his career he's got a negative relative Corsi. Uh, but I suppose that's a bit of a trade-off for all the point production they're getting right now. And your second hero is a winger from the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, Kyle Opozo. And look, the, the Sabres, it's obviously been a tough season for them. They're starting to show a little bit of, of life lately. Uh, and Opozo has 11 points in the past nine games, three goals and eight assists. And he only has nine goals on the season. But if you look back at, remember in the spring, he had that really bad health scare. And I think it's, it's nice to just see that he's back and being productive again. Uh, and now, look, there are going to be some changes in Buffalo. I mean, I think Evander Kane is going to be one of the, um, the big names to be dealt before the deadline, but I, it's possible that Opozo could, could get moved if, if the uh, Sabres could find someone to take his contract. Um, you know, but this is, this is what happens. You have a team that's uh, on their way to missing the playoffs for seven straight seasons under their fifth different head coach, oh. so change could be happening. Um, but Kyle Opozo is at least back and producing uh, in a way that we're more familiar with uh, from him. So those are the heroes. Nick Letty starts off the zero, Scotty. That's right. And I think that what the case is here is that Nick Letty is being forced to do too much of the heavy lifting uh, on the Islanders because Calvin DeHaan and Johnny Boychuk are injured. Um, since January 1st, uh, Letty's course is under 44% uh, on the ice for nine goals, four and 18 against and five on five play. Um, and like I said, I think 
this is just a case of Letty is kind of being asked to do too much. Uh, kind of the next two guys uh, in terms of ice time on the blue line with uh, the Han and Boychuk out are Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield. And, you know, the Islanders, uh, you know, like these guys and, you know, might expect a future. Um, but, you know, having Pellick and Mayfield as number two and three on your depth chart leaves a, a lot of lifting for, uh, for the number one guy, Nick Letty. And the final zero, a 22-year-old winger from the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, Arturi Lekkonen. You know what, last year he had a bit of a surprise rookie season, scored 18 goals in 73 games, and um, and he generated a lot of shots. And so, you know, there was real reason to be optimistic about him being a, an offensive contributor uh, this season. Now, he's obviously he's missed time with injuries, and that, that contributes to his uh, his troubles this year, but uh, go back to the beginning of November, uh, and in that time, he's played 23 games, has no goals and one assist. Uh, that is not, um, you know, that is not giving uh, the kind of production that the Habs had hoped for. And and you know, to put some context in that, it's not like the they've been playing him fourth line minutes in that time. He's averaging more than 16 minutes per game. So uh, to have no goals in 23 games when you're getting 16 minutes of ice time per game is. Uh, that's a, that's a feat. It's not easy to do. So, look, a lot has gone wrong for Montreal this season, but I, I think uh, over the rest of this year, they would like to see some progress from Lekkonen so they, they have some idea where they might be able to pencil him into the lineup for next year. That was Heroes and Zeros with Scott Cullen from tsn.ca. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen and his work Monday to Friday, statistically speaking, on tsn.ca. Now, Scotty, I love this time of year when we're approaching the trade deadline because you put out your Eastern and Western Conference trade deadline playbooks. So everyone gets salivating with possibilities <laughs> and all that. Let's, let's start with the Eastern Conference. And I think you, you put it perfectly. The Eastern Conference, you said, is a study in contrasts. You got the Atlantic Division pretty well wrapped up. And what, as far as, uh, I guess, possible movers, shakers in the Eastern Conference, where are you looking? Well, I think, as I was just saying about a puzzle, I think Buffalo becomes a very interesting team because obviously they're out of it once again. Uh, but that makes them um, kind of appealing for other teams to, to come get them. Like Evander Kane is, is certainly he's an unrestricted free agent and seems unlikely that he's going to be staying in Buffalo. So um, we expect to, to see him get traded. But I, I think, you know, if, if you were an enterprising team and you wanted to make a, a pitch for somebody like Ryan O'Reilly, Mm. Um, you you might have uh, you might have a shot at them, and and I think some of this is that if you're the if you're the Sabers and you're looking at sort of what the future of your team is going to be, I think you're you're kind of focusing on the future being uh, Jack Eichel, uh, Casey Middlestat, last year's first rounder, whoever they get with their high first round pick this year. That's sort of going to be the uh, the core of, of this team whenever they. You know, whenever they get back to being contenders, and and so um, you know, not that Ryan O'Reilly is you know an old man, but you know he's five or six years older than um, than Eichel, and you know you you might be able to to flip O'Reilly and get more young assets that are going to kind of fit into that same time frame. And and look, O'Reilly has been. Um, I mean, he's had some ups and downs this year, but overall, he's been a very good uh, two-way center, um, both in Colorado and in Buffalo. And so I, I think there will be. A, a decent market for them, um, and that's why I say if you, if you're sort of an enterprising team who wants to, you know, really upgrade down the middle, uh, taking a shot at, at somebody like O'Reilly, um, you know, that makes the Sabers an interesting team because I think that they, they are inclined to move more than just Evander Kane. Well, it's a great point you make there, Scotty, because for the Sabers, all right, if they're thinking we got to go younger, then 
still players in their prime, but maybe in that those mid to late twenties. Well, they're not going to be around when you're good, so you can deal those. But on the other side, you don't want to become the Edmonton Oilers, so you can sprinkle in <laughs> older veterans who can kind of fill the void while you rebuild this, right? Absolutely. Like that's like that's the the point of this is is, is if you're Buffalo, you can't just you know you can't just gut the team and, and no. you know leave it leave it to all the young kids. I just I, I do think that you know there there are. Some other players, in addition to uh, to Kane, that might make um, might make Buffalo an, an interesting team as we come up to the deadline. Because um, you know, part of it is that you had a management change last summer, right? And, mm-hmm. and that you know that sort of you know that there isn't a loyalty, and, and this goes to you know both Opozo and O'Reilly. Um, there isn't a loyalty to them from the new management group because they weren't you know the, those aren't their guys, and so you know I, I could could see them being one of the more compelling teams at the trade deadline, which is great because they haven't been very compelling on the ice this year. And if we look at the Western Conference now for your trade deadline mm-hmm. playbook article on tsn.ca, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, well, they're tough year, and, and you, got a, uh, you got quite a few interesting unrestricted free agents. Do you see any, any of the Blackhawks being dealt off as rent-a-player types? Well, I think that's going to be interesting to see whether or not um, – you know whether or not Corey Crawford comes back and mm. and can play well. Like they, the Blackhawks, I know they're in last in the Central, but um, you know I think they're about four points out of a playoff spot. And so yes, that that's not an, an easy thing to overcome when you have to hurdle a bunch of other teams and so on. But if Crawford came back and was and could play the way he did early in the season, I, I could see the Blackhawks basically trying to stay in it. Um, but you know if if Crawford doesn't come back or if you know this time off is. Um, you know, pre- will prevent him from getting back to playing kind of the way he was early in the year because he was really good. Um, if that happens and the Blackhawks, you know, they they lose a little bit off the pace. And, um, yeah, I, I guess I could see them, um, you know, moving out uh, some pieces. I'm like, you know, one of, a guy who I would, you know, coming into the season, I would have thought, oh, that would be an interesting one to move would be Patrick Sharp. But he's kind of, he's fallen out of favor there. And, yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I guess you, you kind of say, well, at, at his age, he's just, um, he's probably not going to hold a ton of appeal around the league. Um, what I could see the Blackhawks also trying to do is I could see them trying to move guys who aren't unrestricted too. Like, mm-hmm. like a guy like Connor Murphy, um, you know, yeah. who they got, who they got from Arizona, um, for Nicholas Chalmerson and, um, it, like Murphy, Murphy got off to a horrible start this year, and then they, you know, they made him a healthy scratch for a while, and and now he he's back in the lineup, but he's he's not playing, you know, kind of big twenty minutes, uh, twenty minutes a game, the kind of kind of role that Chalmerson was playing for Chicago, and so um, I would wonder whether or not you know they might try and uh, shake things up, and and the Blackhawks have done that in the past, you know, like they they traded to get Trevor Daly, in fact. In the, tie this all together with the Patrick Sharp uh, deal to Dallas. They traded to get Trevor Daly, decided, you know, within a month that they didn't like the way things were going with <laughs> Trevor Daly, and they flipped him. And and so, like, I could still see them um, kind of operating that way this year, is that, you know, if if there's a deal to be made that, and they like the, the return, well, then maybe, maybe that's um, something they'd try. And... Um, but I, I, they're in a really tough spot, you know. I mean, we've known for a long time that the salary cap is going to catch up to the Chicago Blackhawks. Right, it's here, um, and and it is. Um, and it, they're kind of in a you know, like if you want to say, okay, well, we're, we're going to try and rebuild. Well, how do you rebuild when you've got you know twenty one million a year going to Kane and Taves, and uh, and you know you almost seven million a year going to Brent Seabrook? Like if you're rebuilding, you, you kind of have to find your way away from those contracts. And uh, I don't think the Blackhawks are inclined to do that right now. So uh, I'll. My guess is they're not going to throw in the towel until it becomes obvious that that's what they have to do.
Right, right, right. Uh, Scotty, great stuff as always, man. Let's do it again next week. Sounds great. Thank you, Andy. All right, sir. Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Check out those articles. Trade deadline playbooks for the Eastern and Western Conference. Fascinating reads at TSN.ca. And Scotty posted it on Twitter as well, at TSN Scott Cullen. We'll take the break. And one of the finest hockey analytics minds in the business, Tyler Dello, NHL columnist for The Athletic, joins me next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Dermott into the corner. Dermott pulls up, taken to the wall. Puck comes off his stick, and the Islanders then lose it. Nice back checking by Dermott. Centering pass scores! Holy Mackinac! What a play by Travis Dermott! And he's set up for his first NHL goal on the Father's Weekend. How do you like yourself, some Travis Dermott? Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. Across the TSN Radio Network, I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, TSN1050.ca, the show page there. And we post all the links on our Twitter accounts as well. Very excited to talk to our next guest, one of the finest hockey analytic minds in the business today, formerly of the Edmonton Oilers, now NHL columnist for The Athletic. It's Tyler Dello. Tyler, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going very well. What a kind introduction, Andy. How there are you? you go. I'm good. I'm good. Listen, I've been a, a fan of yours for a while, so uh, really happy to, to chat with you. And, uh, let's, let's get right into this. Been a question we've asked almost everyone we've had on, and I want to have your take on it. If the Maple Leafs don't make a move at the trade deadline to upgrade defensively, are they still capable of making a serious run come playoff time? Oof. Yeah, I- they probably are. I, I think if you look at them, though, they're they're clearly the the third best team in the uh, on the Atlantic side of the draw. Yeah. So you know, it's it's they're good enough that things could work out, but I don't think you would expect it. Do you think they could get by Boston? Like, let's say, for example. Well, that's that's kind of the problem, right? Like yeah. everybody's kind of been making jokes about the Atlantic Division this year. And it's a funny division, but Boston is, is steamrolling along right now. So uh, if that series happened, I, I would have the Leafs as an underdog. And if you look at Boston, too, they're 7-1-2 and two in their last 10, and they have a four-game in, in hand over Toronto, and they have three more points. So to your point, yeah, they're, they're rolling. Yeah, and it's, you know, so you look at that, uh, like, and that's probably going to be the first-round matchup for the Leafs. Uh, they'll probably get the Bruins. And so they'll be starting on the road. It, you know, it's 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 a tough way to start the playoffs if that's what they get. So, for me, they'd be an underdog in that series, and I'm not sure what they could realistically do at the trade deadline to change that. In conversation with Tyler Dello on Twitter at Dello Hockey NHL columnist for the Athletic, a little over a week back in the Athletic, you dove into the reasoning as to why Austin Matthews should not receive as much power play time as some fans may think. So why? Should the Maple Leafs think about holding back their best player during high offensive production opportunities? Well, it's kind of twofold. Um, you know, you say he's their best offensive player, and you're right. But what he's really special at is five on five, hmm. and you know that's where he really stands apart from the rest of the Leafs. And so, you know, the starting point for me is, um, you know, when you say he's their best offensive player, you have to keep in mind that that's at five on five. If you look at the power play over the last. Uh, year and a half like since the Leafs have had Matthews. Um, it's, it's been that other unit that's really, really driven the bus for the Leafs. 
And and there, to me, there's nothing wrong with sort of saying like like this is the group of guys that works best on the power play, and so let's give them the time. And then if you work through it, and you go, well, is there a way where Matthews would fit with uh, that unit with Van Riemsdyk and Marner and and that group of players? I'm not sure that there is a great fit for him there, and I don't know that you have to force it if it's not there. Uh, to me, there's there's nothing wrong with giving that unit as, as many power play minutes as they can handle and then letting uh, Matthews uh, go to work at 5-on-5. Five five. That's an interesting point, Tyler, because, yeah, if you have a group that is clicking in a specialty faction, then you can, one, keep Matthews a little bit fresher if he's off that unit, and, and two, yeah, if, if, he's not, if he doesn't fit in right now with that power play unit... Why place him in? Now, th- things change, right? But if that's the case right now, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really it's about, you know, how do you put the pieces together in the way that gets the best outcome for the team? And, and to me, like, um, I can't criticize Mike Babcock for the way that he's gone about it with the power play because that first power play unit, which, you know, I've used the JVR unit, it's worked really well. In conversation with Tyler Dello from The Athletic, NHL columnist and on Twitter, at Dello Hockey. Now, earlier this week on The Athletic, uh, you wrote a piece discussing how the Vancouver Canucks could actually help the Ottawa Senators by getting maximum return in a trade for Eric Carlson. We know those two teams are, are struggling. Uh, how would trading one of the league's best defensemen help both teams? Well, and this is something that you know I, I would view taking place... Uh, Either right after the draft, when Carlson could sign his extension, or or you know right around the draft, if the Canucks were confident that they would get him signed to an extension. But if you look at when great players get traded, the problem that the teams trading them have is they invariably kind of lose the deal. And mm-hmm. so if you go back, you look at the Thornton trade to San Jose, or you look at the three Chris Pronger trades, or or some of the Marion Hosa moves. You can't trade players of that caliber and get something close back. That's, that's kind of been the problem. So, you know, you look at Vancouver this year, you know, the one thing Vancouver's going to get out of this season, other than Brock Besser turning into a good player, is uh, that high draft pick. And if it's not Darlene, they would be in a position to offer the Senators something that, you know, nobody else realistically can, uh, as well as having an opportunity or the, you know, they have the capacity to pay Carlson. And they've also got, you know, three really good forward prospects uh, or players in Bo Horvat, uh, Pedersen over in Sweden, and, uh, and Brock Besser. So, you know, I sort of see the Canucks in a position where um, they've kind of got that group of forward prospects. They're not really sure where the defense is going to come from. And I could see there being a match between those two teams in terms of Vancouver being able to give Ottawa something that nobody else can really give Ottawa. And if Ottawa's, you know, ultimate end goal is to win the Stanley Cup, um, that might be the best way for Ottawa to, because uh, they're going to lose that trade. That's just the nature of hockey. But, you know, getting that high draft pick back might put them in a better position to compete in two, three, four years than, um, than getting sort of a package of, of picks in the 20s would. Yeah, and build around a new piece or two. Uh, yeah. Now, speaking of Canadian teams, Toronto, Winnipeg, they're going to the playoffs. The rest, eh, not not so good. We spoke about Vancouver and Ottawa, but the Calgary Flames, they're, they're kind of right on that bubble, right? And they had leads this week against the Golden Knights and the Lightning. They lost both of those, those games. Is Calgary the last hope to be the third Canadian team to make, make it into the postseason? 
Yeah, I think so at this point. Um, you know, we have uh, Dom, uh, I just call him Dom on our website, who's doing, doing playoff probabilities. And to him, it's pretty clear that uh, uh, Vancouver's out, Edmonton's out, Ottawa's out, Montreal's out. So you're down to Calgary. And you're right, like, it's interesting. Calgary, in some ways, reminds me of Nashville last year, um, hmm. in that there's a lot of really good underlying numbers. But their capacity to just blow games has been unbelievable. And I've been watching the Flames a lot just because they're on the bubble. And that game against Vegas was like nothing I've ever seen. And it was just sort of a, you know, a goofy, goofy game that ended bizarrely with those two goals in the last two minutes. And, you know, there's two points gone for Calgary in a game that they were winning. So, you know, I think the Flames, if they can... Like, I can't believe that they are this bad at closing out games just because no NHL team is. So they're a team that, you know, like I really do see it as possible that they'll put together a run at some point and sort of comfortably ensconce themselves in a playoff spot. Um, And if they get in, uh, they're a team that I think, you know, could make some noise in that Pacific Division. Last one for you here, Tyler. Winnipeg Jets. They've been able to overcome missing Mark Shifley. Now they're down. Jacob Truba, one of their top defensemen. Assuming they're they're healthy, as healthy as they can become playoff time, is this relatively young team a, a club that could really push to be the Western representative in the Stanley Cup? I think they could. Hmm. I, I think I, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty impressed with Winnipeg. They're yeah. they're another team I've been watching a lot recently. And, um, you know, they've got a lot of good stuff going on. And it's interesting, like you say that they're a young club, and that's true. But they've kind of got that, you know, I've, I've sort of called it like a, like a dual core sort of situation. They've got the young guys like Shifley and Lion A and Ehlers. But then they've also got that sort of older group that are kind of on the, right. the tail end of their prime in Bufflin, Little, and Wheeler. And so, you know, they're, I, I see them as just a very, very talented group. And what's interesting is if you've been, like, I've been kind of paying attention to their numbers, and they started the season well, but it didn't look very real. And as the season's gone along, it's looking more and more real. So I, I really think Winnipeg is, you know, they're a team that's going to be in a position to, to make a real run this year. Now, that's a tough division, but, um, you know, I, I think the Jets are as good as anybody in the Central. And, um, you know, if it comes together for them in the playoffs, it could be a great spring in Winnipeg. Tyler, really appreciate you taking the time. Let's do this again soon. Sounds good, Andy. You have a good day. All right, you too. Tyler Dello on Twitter, at Dello Hockey, formerly of the Edmonton Oilers, currently NHL columnist at The Athletic. Again, a must-follow on Twitter, at Dello Hockey. We'll take the break. Some NHL fantasy talk. Some tips from our buddy James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. Stay tuned for that. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Here's Malkin with an empty net. Left side. Over to Rush. One more try. Goes to Malkin. He shoots and scores. There's the hat trick for Evgeny Malkin. And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. Welcome back. TSN Hockey Analytics rolls on here on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow us on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81. Get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TSN1050.ca show page. We tweet out all the links as well. Lots of ways to find us here. And we're post-All-Star break. This is crunch time. We're getting into crunch time if you're in your fantasy hockey league. 
Now, whether you're in a league or playing daily DraftKings, things start to get interesting as we approach the trade deadline. To give us some fantasy hockey tips, our buddy James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. James, how's it going, bud? And if it's going to continue to stay this cold, I think next year we're really going to have to look into that whole doing the show from Florida thing. I am in. And, and, uh, and, and you know, but we should just bypass Tampa Bay because it's been a little cold down there. We'll just go straight to Miami. That, that, that's a smart play. It's a veteran move, James. I think so. We'll need a sponsor down there. We can start uh, maybe putting some feelers out to, to host us for, uh, for each week. I'd be down with that. That's good. That's we'll, good. We'll get on that. We'll get yes. on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, would not, I would not object. All right, James. Hey, let's start with Stock Up. Stock down. So, heading into the weekend, give me two players whose stock is up fantasy-wise. Yeah, two guys whose stock is really rising right now. I'm going to start first guy on the Penguins, Brian Rust. Uh, he's skating on the Penguins' first line right now with Sidney Crosby and Dominic Simon in place of Connor Sheary, who was just placed on injured reserve. He scored a power play goal with five shots on goal last night against the Capitals. That gives him three goals, one assist, and seven shots on goal in two games out of the All-Star break. And he now has points in three of his four games since he returned from his injury pre-All-Star break on January 23rd. Uh, so he has three goals and two assists in that span. And he's only $3,800 right now uh, in DraftKings. So... I really like Rust. He's been with Crosby in the past before, on and off, uh, over the past two seasons. And, and every time that he has been there, he has been productive. So I think right now, especially for DFS purposes, he is a must-start as a value pick, especially with his salary under $4,000. And depending on how long Sheary is out, he's a guy who, in deep leagues, and down the playoff stretch, if you need a guy and he's on this line, he's always going to have really great fantasy value because of his exposure to Crosby at even strength. So I really like Rust right there. And then the second guy, uh, going to head out to the West Coast to San Jose, Kevin LeBanc. Points in back-to-back games, uh, two goals, one assist, and uh, five shots on goal. He has six points in his past four games and nine points in his past eight overall with 25 shots on goal there. Skating with Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle, so two very high upside fantasy forwards, especially Couture, who has been absolutely dominant as of late. And he's skating with both of them on the first power play unit, also with Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns. Not a bad pair of four guys to be on a power play unit with. So, uh, I like what LeBanc is doing right now with Joe Thornton injured. They really needed some guys to step up, and that first line across the board has been playing very well lately. So LeBanc is another really value guy in both fantasy leagues and in DFS that you should be watching out for. Yeah, taking advantage of the opportunity. All right, James, those were the two stock up. Who are a couple of stock down players we should be avoiding this weekend in fantasy play? Yeah, heading down to Washington, and I know that they're leading the division right now, but Nick Backstrom, uh, he's been dropped down to second-line center at even strength, so he's separated from Alexander Ovechkin right now. Ovechkin is now skating with uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, so Backstrom is on the second line with Burakovsky and TJ Oshie. Still not a bad uh, pairing to be with, but he's pointless in his past two games. He only has one point in his past six and two points in his past eight games overall. He is still on the first power play unit with Ovechkin and Carlson 
and skating there with Kuznetsov and Oshie as well. But right now, only 38 points in 50 games, which is putting him on pace for 61 points overall, which is going to be potentially the lowest full-point or full-season point total of his career right now. So uh, Backstrom has been separated from Ovechkin a couple of times this season, and every time he really hasn't been as solid, obviously, as when he is skating with Ovechkin. So I'm staying away from him right now until he really picks up. And then my second guy is Zach Wierenski from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, 11 goals, 11 assists on the season, 136 shots on goal. He's pointless in his last two and in five of his last six. Uh, he's tied his goal output from his rookie season last year, but he's only on pace right now for 36 points, which is going to be over a 10-point drop-off from his rookie season. So uh, until I see more production from Wierenski and really the Blue Jackets in general, uh, I'm definitely going to stay away from him, especially because he seems to, tackle, uh, to normally be a moderate to high-priced defenseman in, in DraftKings. All right, so that was stock up, stock down. You can get James's picks and ask advice too on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey in conversation with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com or NHL Fantasy Specialist. All right, now James, when when a young player kind of bursts onto the scene or flashes for a little bit, league long play. It's debatable whether you want to pick him up on waivers and stash, but in DFS and DraftKings, if you can pick up a guy at a cheap cost and strike while the iron's hot then that could help win you a league. Travis Dermott for the Toronto Maple Leafs, young defender. His price was around the 2900 mark. It's up to 3200 now. Uh, when he had the, the goal and the assist, he got eight fantasy points. But the next game, four fantasy points. Had an assist, but we see him blocking some shots and, and a couple hits. For, for a young defenseman at that price, I wanted to get your take uh, on the fantasy value of Travis Dermott right now. Yeah, you got to strike while the iron is hot, especially with guys like him and the other young defenseman who the Maple Leafs just called up, Justin Hall. The two of them are skating on a pair right now. Uh, over the past two games together, they've been the third most used pairing, seeing about 20% of the ice time uh, for the Maple Leafs defense. But you look at their offensive statistics down in the AHL, they combined for 38 points between the two of them this season down there. Dermott had 18, Hall had 20. You know, Dermott has points, as you said, in, in his last uh, two games. He has four points in 10 games so far, $3,200. It doesn't matter if you're a, a rookie player or if you're a veteran. If you're producing and you're hot right now, that's the exact kind of player that you want to target if you're a DFS player because he's a guy who is starting to build confidence and he's starting to put together a little bit of a streak right now. That combined with the fact that either one of these guys, with Dermot at 3,200, Hall at 3,300, they have so little value as far as their salary goes that you can spend little there to spend big elsewhere in your lineup. So I, I am absolutely 100% on board with targeting either one of those guys. Despite a tough matchup tonight against the Bruins, when you can get a productive defenseman in your lineup who can chip in a point or two and give you shots on goal and block shots, that's really what you need from those value guys. How do you feel about pairings? And I know it depends on which matchup, and, and it's kind of a game-by-game basis, but it, in general, pairing up defensive duos 
if they if they both have uh, let's say for for the Dermot Hall uh, example, both on a little bit of a hot streak. Do you subscribe to that, or is it best to kind of pick one and, and don't put all your eggs in the one basket? I normally wouldn't put all my eggs in the one basket, but I think it's also very matchup dependent. Hmm. Um, and it comes down to the price, too. It comes down yeah. to how many games there are that night. If it was a slow night where there weren't a lot of games, maybe like uh, on uh, Wednesday night earlier this week when I believe there were only three games when they played the Islanders. So if you stack both of them there and they were playing together at a really, really low value, that's one thing. On a night like tonight where there's 11 games, I think that you're better off spreading out the offense and spreading out your defense to different pairings and not stacking a value pair like that just because they're so young. If one of them has a good night and the other does nothing, or if both do nothing, then you get really no production from the defense. So it's better on a night like tonight where there's a large player pool to try and stack a low-priced value defenseman with somebody who's going to be more productive and higher-priced. Absolutely. And James, if people want to check out uh, Fun DraftKings contest, you have the Pick'em style contest, which is uh, not the traditional salary cap wise, but eight different groups of players in each grouping. And you pick which one's going to have the best. It's a lot of fun. People can try it out uh, there. We're up against the clock, so we'll, we'll get into an actual contest next week. But um, the DraftKings.com Pick'em contest, a whole bunch of different price ranges and all that. James, thank you so much. And people can uh, get you on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey for any fantasy advice, right? Absolutely, buddy. Send the questions my way. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Okay, stay warm up there, buddy. Yeah, you, t- <laughs> you too. That is James Harding. We're both freezing. He's in New York. Our NHL fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com. Take the break. On the other side, usually the leadoff man, batting cleanup today. Travis Yost from TSN.ca wraps up TSN Hockey Analytics coming up next on TSN 1050. Barzell into the high slot for Everly, shoots and scores! What a setup! And Jordan Everly roofs it, and the Islanders have the 2-0 lead! Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You missed any of the show? No problem. Got you covered. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, you can listen to tsn1050.ca show page, and we tweet out the links on Twitter as well. To wrap up the show, typically our leadoff man, boy, he's got the big bat today, going for some power finish here in cleanup, Travis Yost from tsn.ca. Travis, how's it going? I'm a, remember when Barry Bonds was 160 pounds and maybe the best player in baseball, and then he started doing crazy steroids and was 240? Yeah. That's me. Now I'm, I'm going from the one to the three. <laughs> you know what I love, too? Just a quick side note where Barry Bonds like, no, no, man, this is all natural. It's like, your head doesn't grow four sizes when you're 40 years old, bro. Sorry. Uh, it was one of the most ridiculous lies ever, but also I still argue Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, he was one of, one of the best. Uh, so, Travis, uh, let's begin. We heard the Jordan Eberle goal coming in. This week on TSN.ca, you detailed the rebound of Jordan Eberle's career with the Islanders. So a couple of questions for you on this. First, would his career have rebounded, do you feel, in any way had he stayed in Edmonton or was he essentially doomed while, while being there? Uh, man, that's a great question. I, I'll say this about the Everly situation. He did not have his best year last year. Like that, that's a fact. That, that is, it is a, <laughs> a point not in dispute. 
and especially true in the postseason. And you can argue whether or not the postseason should have been a driver for why he was traded for what really materialized to be a third liner and cap space. But what I will say is Everly in particular has basically played how he played every other year, save last year. I mean, he's going to score 25-ish goals. He's probably going to have 60-plus points, and that's pretty much what he did every single year in Edmonton. And, and let's be clear about one thing. Jordan Everly is not a perfect player. He is not great defensively. He is not a, a crash-and-bang type player, and if you need that type of uh, score in the playoffs, he's probably not the guy. But he is an electric shooter, an electric playmaker, a quality scorer, can play on the top six in any team in the league. And, you know, so much – a lot has been talked about should Ed, Ed, you know, Edmonton spitting the bit with him and Taylor Hall. Uh, and, like, I, I think we've beaten that to the ground at this point. Yeah. What I do think, though, is how big of a coup this was for the Islanders, right? So the Islanders identified a player who was probably – unfairly valued over a 13-game playoff stretch. and Got him for a really, let's be honest, Ryan Strom's a third liner. And they're in a great spot right now. Like, the Islanders cannot there – are, there are major issues with that team. But that line with Matthew Barzell as well has been one of the better lines in the entire league. So I think you need to separate that. The Islanders are still in the playoff race. They, they've got a lot of core issues right now. But Jordan Everly has been a big win for them. And he, he could have – this is a, a hidden pop one here. He could end up being a very small but a material reason why John Tavares might stay. Because if you're John hmm. Tavares and you're looking around for talent, I mean, let's be honest. Like when you're when you're a player and you're searching for a max deal and a long term contract, you want to know: Am I going to get paid? He's going to get paid anywhere, right? And is the team around me talented enough so that we can win? And I think John Tavares can look around and say, "Okay, we need to improve the goaltending. The defense is kind of shoddy, but like I he, I can look at other forwards on this lineup and be like, yeah, these guys play." So, maybe, you know, I, I don't I don't want to put all the praise on Everly here, but uh, I think that is a valuable point worth uh, worth noting in future months here. And the Islanders as a whole here, Travis, what type of a playoff threat do you feel they are? And it's crazy to think, if you look at the standings, they're last in the Metro, but they're only three points out of fourth, five out of third. So it's like that Metro is so close right now. So are they a playoff contender, do you feel? I do, to the extent, I'm pretty sure every team in that division, I have yeah. to say, is a playoff contender. Because I, let me, I, I want to ask you a question, though, too, Andy. Have you ever remembered a period where we had, like, six teams this tightly clustered in one division? Like, there is literally no discerning basically team two through eight in no, that right. division. I mean, it's, almost, right. it's impossible on any given night. Like, I mean, two weeks ago, Carolina was in last, and then now Carolina's on a bit of a run, and they're out of the cellar, and... The Islanders, who were in the cellar now, you know, three weeks ago, were playing pretty damn good hockey. And it's, it's like, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. I will say this about the Islanders. They are going to be in a, in a tougher spot than most teams in the playoffs for one reason and one reason only. They have not shown that they can stop or prevent goals against on a consistent basis. And not just this year, pretty much for, what, two and a half years now? And they, when the Islanders were running... They're outscoring you. The problem is they, they have maybe more than any team in the league have proven that they really cannot win consistently 2-1, 3-2 type hockey games. And that really matters because in playoffs we know goal scoring comes down, the goaltending is better, and if the Islanders aren't going to be pummeling you in the offensive zone, and by the way, worth noting, the Islanders do have the second-best attack in the league um, as of a few days ago. They were just behind Tampa Bay. So worth hmm. noting there. But you know, can you really trust them in a seven-game series to, to actually get a couple good games out of their goaltending and their defense? I I don't know that I can, but then again, every other team in that division 
up to and including Washington, it has a flaw to some degree. So, yeah, yeah, they could win a series, just pretty much like any other team there. Right. Everybody has a bit of an issue. Uh, last one for you here, Travis, and you mentioned uh, Tampa Bay for a moment. Uh, the Lightning have have been spectacular this year, but the NHL overall have really, they've kind of avoided that super team feel, like we've seen with the Warriors in the NBA, the Patriots in the NFL. Uh, if Tampa Bay, and you wrote on uh, TSN.ca, uh, how the Lightning could add one of the best players in the league in Eric Carlson. How would they go about doing that? What do you think they would have to give up? And really, if they pulled it off, are they locks for the cup? So uh, we've been doing this four years. Uh, I have to say, this is like my favorite pet series slash idea that I've probably ever had. And the reason (laughs) why is it makes so much sense for both teams. Uh, We have talked at length. Uh, the, the The reason why Ottawa will retain Eric Carlson is his comfort in the city. Other than right. that, pretty much everything is working against Ottawa retaining him long-term. Um, he, we know he wants a ton of money. Ottawa's not going to give out a ton of money. We know he's, he's, not, on his be- he's not having his best season. He's, he's kind of looked uh, maybe 80 85% coming back from an injury. That's not really helping matters much. There's a clear dysfunction between him and either the front office or the owner. Um, he's watched two of his buddies leave town, and both of which have said, "Yeah, you know, the front office kind of kicked us out between Kyle Turris and Daniel Opperson." So there's a lot of a lot of things at play here. And, and if I'm Ottawa and I'm Pierre Dorian and I'm looking at, okay, we might have to, we might lose Eric Carlson. How can I get 90 cents for my dollar? Because that's hmm. the best, you know, the best possible scenario here. There are only a handful of teams that can really make this work, and Tampa Bay is at the top of this list. They are a clear Stanley Cup contender. They have a need for another defender. I know everyone talks about how great Tampa Bay is, but their second and third pairings have not been that fantastic this year. They pretty much just run roughshod with their first pair and their top two lines on everyone. That's pretty much the story with Tampa Bay. He's signed for another year and a half on a $6 million contract, and Tampa Bay has over $3 million in cap space. So all they need to do is move one contract and they have enough cap space to absorb Eric Carlson in a trade. Interesting. And on top of that, they have two players on entry-level deals that are sensational between Mikhail Sergachev and Braden Point. And if one of them, and I would imagine one of them do, really incentivizes or interests Ottawa, because, look, you're talking about a potential first-pairing guy and a potential first-line center, uh, between, or a potential first-line forward between Point and, and Sergachev, you have options that Ottawa can say, okay, we can make this work. We're going to take your best prospect slash now NHL player off your hands and maybe a couple futures on top of that. And we're going to send you the best defender in the NHL to which then Tampa Bay for 45 minutes a night can have either one of Victor Hedman or Eric Carlson on the ice or wow. in trail situations, they can put Carlson with Hedman with the Stamkos line pretty much in every other shift. And yeah, to answer your last question, I can't envision a scenario where they are not the, I want to say, a prohibitive Stanley Cup favorite. I mean, there, there is no team in the Eastern Conference, save maybe Pittsburgh, if they get things rolling, that can match them power for power. And by the way, Tampa Bay would get two shots at the Cup with this roster, not one. And that Jeez. is the most important distinction here. That would be fascinating to see. Uh, Travis, thank you so much. We're all out of time. Let's do it again next week. All right, take care, Andy. All right, thank you. That is Travis Yost on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Check out all his great work at tsn.ca. That will do it for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. So for producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 and across the TSN radio network.